0: Would you please take your Bible and turn to the book of First Samuel, chapter nine, verse nine? You know, I don't know how many times we've discussed over the years um, our uh, personal preference as to which of the prophets we we really enjoy most in the. Uh, in the Old Testament and one of the things that I would regularly say is that I really appreciated prophet Isaiah and um, I, I think for many reasons. One was that um, he, he was so focused upon things that were really new covenant promises. It's the Old Testament book that m- most uh, emulates a New Testament understanding. I I like the fact, as Dennis referenced this morning, that Isaiah was changed. Here am I. Send me, and God conformed him to what his throne, God's throne, was doing, and what the hem of God's garment was doing. I love the longevity. Of Isaiah to be able to minister through uh, a a progression of kings all the way up to our brother Hezekiah, and um, he he just really was an amazing guy. But um, over these past uh, couple of months, the Lord has been making me aware of what uh, what our identity is in so many ways with the prophet Samuel. And um, we are, as saints, and we are, as Pneumatikos people, more aligned with what Samuel's ministry and what his calling was than probably anybody else in the Old Testament. And I, I'm just continually amazed. Every day There is there is some new thing that the Lord is highlighting in the Word And um, it shows me understandings from the life of Samuel that really are a result of you and I walking in these principles over the years. And so I know that we'll be talking a a great number of uh, hours during the seminar in September about The principles of what Samuel was entrusted to do. And um, I, I, I walk a fine line before our seminars now because we as a congregation here in Dallas, we're hosting. We have to stay abreast of what God is revealing so that we can be praying and so that we can prepare meat to put on the table here. But then I also recognize that a great number of our Saints Network family is, through the miracle of the internet and the website, the various things that God has blessed us with, they are uh, they're walking this pathway step-by-step step with us. So I don't want to welcome them to come into a place where they've heard everything, in fact, I'm pretty sure it's going to be the way it's been the past couple of times. Uh, we're just going to give fresh meat through that through that <laughs> seminar. But for the for today, uh, I'm going to bring another message from what Samuel said, uh, what the Lord said to Samuel and about Samuel. But I have a feeling that for the next couple of months we'll be going in other directions. But Just know that the oven is going to be baking out a lot of new revelations here that are really old revelations for us because we've been trained for this throughout our life and we as Pneumonikos people have been patterning what Samuel was really called of the Lord to do. So we want to look at a couple of verses today that are kind of, um, I don't want to say misunderstood, uh, but really miscast in their interpretation. And we really need to understand what God was really saying. And one of them is here in 1 Samuel chapter 9, verse 9. Now, you remember the story where Saul was uh, on a mission from God to find his father's donkeys. Last week, we talked about the three things that after uh, Samuel anointed Saul, um, the three things that Saul had to encounter. The, and then the significance of those three facets on his journey back to his home, and those three facets are points of development that every one of us have had to have take taken, as we follow the Lord. Um, but this this one was when Saul and his servant were going to consult Samuel, and. It's kind, of a, it's kind of a, verse 9 of 1 Samuel 9 is kind of a testament to the condition of the people of Israel in that day. And um, uh, I think it's important for us to understand this because it's really the day in which we're living again. So, verse 9, 1 Samuel 9. <clears throat> Before time in Israel, when a man went to inquire of Elohim, Thus he spoke, come and let us go to the seer, for he that is now called a prophet was before time called a seer. We've talked about this in the past, we've we've spoken about the role of the seer and the role of the prophet in the Old Testament and how they align with prophetic and teacher seer capacities and we've talked about how that those are necessary capacities for welcoming any new and fresh measure of God's development in his kingdom those things are all true we're not stepping back from any of them they're just true but the lord is taking us into a deeper understanding now of what that means and why why was israel in a position where they were calling people by seers, and why was it that um, the term prophet was absolutely um, pretty much gone from the vocabulary of of the people in those days, and how did they mix these two up? It just it just goes back to something that. Developed over the years of the days of the judges. And therein, the Bible says <clears throat> that during the days of the judges, every man did what was right in his own eyes. We're living those days. <laughs> uh, this past week, I took the twins, and they had Papa and granddaughter's time walking through North Park Mall which is always a very expensive prospect for grandpa. And um, we saw all kinds of things. I haven't been up there for a while. But I saw things that I thought, that's really weird. That's really weird. Why is that person dressed that way? What What are they doing there anyway? What's this announcement? What's?" I saw all kinds of crazy things, and I thought, if there was ever a day when everybody was doing what was right in their own eyes, we is living it. But the days of the judges where that incriminatory statement uh, was made, if we go back to the book of Deuteronomy, when God was instructing the people through Moses about what they needed to do when they came into the new land, he uses that phrase again. Well, he uses it for the first time. Everyone doing what's right in his own eyes. And and what he said was, when you come into the land in the places that God is going to, that I'm going to lead you, when I when I use you to drive out the inhabitants of the land who are worshiping demons, you go and you destroy the high place, you tear up the hills where they have all of their altars and their monuments, and you burn their groves, and you you just totally eliminate that, and then you go to a place that I choose, and you begin to worship me there in that land. And you've got to be very careful that um, that you don't do what the people of the land did and what you are prone to do, because if 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 it's up to you, you're going to do what is right in your own eyes. And here's what the King James says, so I can say it on a Sunday morning: You'll go whoring after anything that you desire. And what God then says is that in that light, you need to stitch in the hem of your garment the color which is our word, onika, which is one of the ingredients of the, um, of the incense. And you stitch that there so you will remember what your identity is, and you'll remember what I am asking you to do, which is going to require obedience that leads to the miraculous. And in Deuteronomy, that's the first injunction that God gives to the people about spiritual warfare, believing him for miracles in spiritual and physical warfare, and, and as well, tearing down strongholds of the demonic and establishing new places for God, and then to make sure that you, in everything you see, remember who you are in me, and the importance of you waiting on me for direction, that is so important. That is so important. And it's interesting too that right in your own eyes it uses the term ayin, which is a term that we've studied a lot about. Um, And one of the main factors of it is, is that you, if you're really before the Lord, will become as a 70 you'll become as someone that is respected in the spirit realm and in the land, someone of maturity, and somebody that everybody would know that person is following God. We will follow that example. But if, if you then take that capacity, that strength, that uh, collection of giftings, and you use it on a scale of whatever you want to do, God says that's whoring after things, and you're just doing what's right in your own eyes instead of doing what's right in God's eyes of whom you represent. So, and I thought about that too. I was thinking about the, uh, the ingredients of incense, which we've studied about, which is our prayers, the prayers of the saints are as incense, those four ingredients and the, and the various coloring factors. Two of them are very easy to understand. Number one, the in, uh, frankincense is, is white. You, m- you mix every other of the other three into that, which would indicate the fullness of the ways of God. Now, Annika can either be red, because part of the priest's garments were, were dyed by a red there, but it can also be indigo blue, and it can also be a royal purple, and it's, it's got a fragrance, a perfume-like fragrance. It's wonderful. But it can either be one of those three things, depending on which victory God is wanting to accomplish through you. I mean, if you're going through the Red Sea that baby's probably going to be red which speaks of judgment and burning if you're supposed to be gaining dominion now it's probably going to be a color that represents kingship if if you're really seeking after welcoming the depth of god's presence well that's probably going to be the uh, the indigo it's probably going to be that dark blue but that's part of of this this measure of incense you know one of the other ingredients, you know, you had Annika, Galbanum, Stacte, and frankincense. The other, the other two, we talked about frankincense, we talked about Annika, could either represent intercession through the night where you make yourself available or you, uh, you becoming, uh, let the burden of the Lord press out the essence, that balm of who you are. And depending on what God is wanting from you, is going to depict in that time frame which dimension of his seven spirits you're indicating. So, so it's really incense is something that is commensurate with you being submitted to God to whatever he's wanting to do, and the end result will be mixed into the fullness of his ways, which is that white light of his presence. But in the midst of all of that, that ingredient color of Annika now if you'll read that passage in Deuteronomy it'll translate itself as blue but you really can't you you if you look at it it it's only the word for the, what comes out of this creature and and it could be any of those three recognized colors so what does that mean When you're doing spiritual warfare, when you're taking the land, when you're supposed to be representing God as an individual of maturity and leadership, you need to be very careful to recognize whatever it is that God is doing, whether that's establishing his kingdom in his presence, whether that's engaging in some measure of warfare where his judgment and burning is going to come to fruition or whether it's you um, demonstrating what it means to rule and reign with the Lord as his representative in in the earth, and whatever that is, you stitch that into the, the hem of your garment, which identifies who you are and what you're supposed to be doing by the mandate of God. You keep that ready, because that will remind you not to go after things according to your own eyes. Well, that is a very interesting study, perhaps a little deep for a Sunday morning, but nevertheless, that's we're talking to pneumatic people, and we need to know this. So when God spoke through Moses in Deuteronomy, he warned them, when you go into the land, you're going to face this. You're going to be tempted to do what is right in your own eyes, but you don't do that. You do not do that. You represent me there. You take out the enemy and you establish my dwelling place, and you represent me in your identity who I've called you to be, but in conjunction with what I'm requiring of you of that time. You keep that at the forefront of who you are and what your identity really is depicting. And if you do that then, you won't be doing what's right in your own eyes. You'll be representing my eyes. You will be representing My ways, and that's what Moses told them. But then we come into the time, the hundreds of years of the days of the judges, and the Bible says, you know what it says, everybody did what was right in their own eyes, which is exactly what God said don't do it. And He can, He he joined it together with warfare, physically and spiritually. You know, that was the key for Israel. We talk about spiritual warfare. Well, for them, it was physical warfare. You could not separate the two. He says you go in, you drive out the inhabitants of the land. You tear down the places where they have been worshiping Satan. In these three places, very specific, repeated over and over and over again. And when you do that, you be careful not to do what they did, you don't do what's right in your own eyes. You do what's right in my eyes. God is very specific about that. How does that apply to us today? <laughs> well, we, we have to be really careful not to be like everybody else, not to be like the nations, not to be like all the other religious viewpoints. And we need to remember who God's called us to be And what our mission is, and let that guide what our eyes, our eye needs to be single and full of light in following Him. So the hem of our garment, which is that touch point of power and victory that that woman with the issue of blood wanted to touch, and we need to we need to recognize that our virtue, our dunamis, flows out of that on behalf of the Lord, and and what really sets fire to that is us not just having an identity but having a functional reality of the Anuka of god you know out of, out of out of those ingredients of incense that's the only one that's described as something that we are supposed to be wearing isn't that something or at least the color of it it uses the same word very specific word very rarely used It's used to describe the incense, and it's used to describe that ribbon that's supposed to be ingrained into the hem of our garment, but it's linked with physical warfare, linked with spiritual warfare, and with the mandate of not doing what's right in your own eyes. So the days of the judges were ending when Samuel comes into line. They had been doing whatever they wanted to do, and because they'd been doing what was right in their own eyes, they forgot how to function in God's eyes. They forgot, you know what the word, you can look it up real easy, many of you already have it memorized. The word translated as seer is our old friend Ra'ah, to be able to be a shepherd, to be able to judge between Tob and Ra, to be able to know I go this way, I don't go that way, to be able to discern between evil and good and to follow the good that word was used of God many times, but it was used of many of the champions of the people of God. So they were really familiar. Seer wasn't some word. This, this was a word that they should have been familiar with, but they all forgot how to use it. They all set it aside in their desire to follow what was right in their own eyes. So here they are. And, uh, they they started looking for people that were seers, and it wasn't the same as being a judge. Um, judges were more like magistrates who supposedly heard from God. Some of them did; a whole lot of other judges didn't. Um, I think that's the same in our country today. <laughs> but you know, the the point though is is that they they did not really know in the days of the judges, by this time, how to hear from God. They had forgotten how God wanted to speak to them. They had forgotten the principles of the, uh, the Ra'ah, and really, there really weren't any true prophets in the land. And, and so Samuel Samuel, you know, when he was growing up as a little boy, he paid the price. You realize that his, all that business with Hannah and him being weaned, and she takes him and drops him off at Shiloh, and there he is as a, as a, as a male uh, Cinderella lit growing up in Shiloh, where you had the two sons of Eli who were just vagabonds. That's putting it lightly. And, you know, he was a young boy hearing the whisper of God in the night. And he grew up as a prophetic act for what God wanted to do in raising up young people all over Israel who would hear the voice of God and know how to respond. Um, he uh, the, the, the term prophet, I did some really interesting studies about this Word which is nabi and boy, there's a whole reams of stories in all kinds of Christian flow points about what this is. But let's just talk about it from what it meant in those people groups that were in the land. You know, the the nabi. Yes, we we say it's a bubbling up. Yes, we say that it's it's, it's sensing something and. And some would like to say that it's uncontrollable, but really the point is that if it's uncontrollable, you want to learn how to utilize that power for the kingdom of God. And you you, you want to be able to, to, to take uh, measure of expertise over that power so that, you know, that's why it says that the spirit of prophet should be subject to the prophet. If there's power there, you just don't want to be like spindle top just blowing out. What, what did they find when they when they drilled for oil and they found out that they said, man, we got to cap this thing because there's a lot of wealth there. We need, we need to learn how to use this, not just let it spray out all over the place. And so, but but if you look at the, the, the original languages that probably Abram spoke, um, that was much closer to what Abram spoke than what they brought up out of Egypt, the, the first measure of Nabi was the name. That's interesting. The second was an assignment for a specific place. So, So this word that was translated mostly as prophet began in its origins as somebody recognizing who they were created to be and serving in a particular function, perhaps in a particular place. Isn't that something? And then they said, well, these people who were called to a certain thing and appointed to a certain place, they're going to have giftings from God and those things are going to begin to manifest themselves. It's going to bubble up in them whether they want it to or not. You know, and see, that's here's a, here's a secret thing from a kid growing up in the good old of G from the time I was uh, born through many, many years. There were a lot of things that were going on in my family spiritual life that I didn't understand and there wasn't anybody to talk to about them I mean if you talked about them they either thought you were imagining things or you needed deliverance and so you just capped them and I dare say that many of you who were raised in those same types of things had times when the spirit of the Lord would come over you it would start bubbling up and you didn't know what to do with them that's the essence of the Nabi. And all of God's people should prophesy. That's what Moses says. The New Testament says, covet, covet to prophesy. Despise not prophesying. What was it saying? Not just, thus says the Lord. It was saying, know who you are in him. Know what he has called you to be, to serve him, and you be very uh, very aware of what God is putting you. Try to discover what it means when he stirs you in this way. What it means when he influences you in this way. What it means when certain things happen. And God will help you. He didn't give you that so you could live a life of confusion. He wants you to learn how to fulfill your identity in the place he has called you to be, and he wants you to be able to sense from him what it is that he's leading in you. So all of the people needed to be that kind of prophetic, uh, that kind of prophetic sensitivity before the Lord. And that's what Moses was saying. Not everybody is going to be a prophet but everybody should function in that point of identity, everybody should function in that point of placement, and everybody should function in in conjunction with what God has put within you, and learn how to, to serve him in those things. That's the essence of prophecy. Even into the New Testament, where we have the word prophetes, which we get our word prophecy from, from the Greek. The, the original measure of how prophetes was used in the, in the Hellenistic society was propheme, to what is before your face. What are you experiencing, and how do you live that? How do you utilize that as a momentum to go forward? How do you proclaim that? But the proclaiming was, was the last of them, because you can't proclaim something that you have not embraced yourself and died to. That's martyrios. Does that make sense? So this essence of, of Samuel, when, when they're saying, hey, let's go to the seer, we've lost some donkeys, was, it's kind of ridiculous. It, 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 it's, it's, it's nonsensical for the people of God to have said that here. They had forgotten how, as David would soon say, the Lord is my shepherd. And you know who was greatly influenced in David's life? Who greatly influenced David's life? This guy Samuel his schools influenced David. The very things that, that, I'm not saying David was a card-carrying member of one of them. He was out on the hillside. He Maybe he was correspondence. Maybe it was a Berean school. I don't know. He has a certificate to prove it. Um, but, you know, the, the point, though, is that this business of Ra'ah was unknown when Samuel began But just in a few years later, David is singing about it and writing about it in the tabernacle. Suddenly Ra'ah is known. How did that happen? How did that happen? Through this little boy named Samuel, through this man who established schools of the prophets. What was that? Now, we're very grateful for the prophetic training that we have enjoyed, and we're very grateful to have learned how to speak prophetic words for edification, exhortation, and comfort. We're very grateful for that, but all of God's people should be prophetic, and that's what these schools were designed to bring, that the people would remember what was written in the law of Moses, and to really apply it. That's how David could say, your word is like honey to me. Your word, I'd meditate on it. Who set the stage for that? Samuel. Samuel did. But at this time, they didn't, seers were rare. (laughs) Somebody who had the simplest thing. Hey, who can hear from God? Who can be directed? This is what God wanted all of his people to do. And and so, but then to be a prophet, a Nabir is all this is here. It's not the it's not the elevated governmental turn for the prophet. This guy was demonstrating to everybody what it means in the night to hear Samuel, Samuel. Well, the word of God was rare. The breakthrough word of God was rare because nobody was standing in the gap. And this little boy said, here am I, just as Isaiah did. I will do it. And because he did it, he then set about establishing schools. He set about establishing places where young people could go. Places of significance like Bethel, like Gilgal. Places where God had impacted the realm where God's Spirit in the deposits of the glory had wrought great miracles. And he he would have students go there. And undoubtedly, they would enjoy the presence of God emanating from that place. And they would worship the Lord. They would play and they would sing. And they would experience what it meant to commune with God and what it meant to sense his presence. That's essential, isn't it? They didn't all come down out of the hill saying, Thus says the Lord. Few of them did. But the objective was to ingrain that, that measure of knowing God and sensing who he is in you to where it's not some foreign thing or not some odd thing. Well, we got to stay away from that. But but to say, this This, this meaneth this this is what God is saying this is this is the scripture with power this is this is evident in me that's what Samuel was trying to do under the direction of God and guess what that's our mission that's your mission to live it as Dennis said this morning to to learn it, to live it, and then to, to teach it, to lead it. That's what we're supposed to do. And that's why people all over the world are asking for us as saints to provide that for them. Come, teach us how to move in the Spirit. Come, show us things in the Word that we don't understand. We want to know more of Him. Come, teach us how to intercede. Show us the things that the Scripture says about coming up to the hill of God and ministering to Him at the right hand. These are all principles that Samuel was establishing. We have the benefit of the new covenant. We have the benefit of the cross of Christ, the sacrifice of Christ. We have the benefit of being uh, called to be joint heirs with Christ. We have those wonderful benefits plus the totality of the Word of God and abilities to study it that have been unknown throughout the history of Christendom. We've been given so much, but the principle of what Samuel uh, perfected before the Lord is ours. Now, David benefited from this, and I I suppose that the enemy has fought this more than anything. He's always, from the very beginning, Jesus said he wanted to kill you. He did not want you partnering with God in this way. He was a man-killer from the beginning, and the enemy has always tried to destroy this privilege of knowing God and partnering with him. and uh, Not every one of these people in this school were going to be card-carrying prophets, but every one of them should be knowing what God has put in them and how to minister and how to welcome and not forbid it, not to you know, chastise it, not to eliminate it. Uh, you know, this is so interesting, but here in this day, Come, let us go to the seer. For he that is, was then going to be called a prophet was beforehand called a seer. That, that just, that's such an abominable indictment. I mean, you might think, Oh, you know, well, what's the difference between a seer and a prophet? You know, we've got teacher and we've got prophet and that makes way for the apostle. Those are all true. But what's said here is that this was absent. It was so lacking no wonder the Philistines were in charge. No wonder the people of God didn't know the right from the left. No wonder it was so catastrophic that, that, um, that Shiloh became a place uh, of Ichabod shortly before this. Um, the, the people just were living so far below what God created them to be. And uh, it, it's just, it's, it's, an interesting, it's an interesting thing to see. So you have that aspect of what did God really want during those days of the judges? You know, what, what did God really want where over those hundreds of years, people just fell away from God? What, what, well, he w- wanted them to continue to, to know him and to fellowship with him. You know, the sad, the sad thing, after, even after Samuel established these schools, and people began to call upon the Lord from the hills and, and from the high places. And I think it's very interesting that one of the first miraculous signs that God demonstrated in, in national warfare on behalf of Samuel was when he brought all these people together, as many of them who had been benefiting from these places of worship and training. He brings them together, and the enemy's trying to come up against them. And Samuel begins to lead all of those people in worship before the Lord. And what does God do? He brings about phenomenal thundering, phenomenal explosive thundering that shakes the enemy so badly that they just run away in terror. What does thunder represent? Voices, thunders, lightnings, earthquakes. That gathering together of the people of God. You know, it's interesting. I, I was working out yesterday on a treadmill. <laughs> and um, I'd like to tell you that I just watch holy things when, when I do that. I, I, have, I, I hire a, a harpist to play behind me. And we just sing to the Lord but I don't do that I study all kinds of history and sometimes I watch sci-fi programs so yesterday I came out of prayer had a wonderful time went home got on the treadmill and was watching a, a Star Trek episode a new one that had just come out and you know the whole theme of this Star Trek episode was about deuterium what is that? Remember what we taught about how the trees and the rainforest release that and that's explosive? It's nuclear. And the whole episode was about deuterium and the power of it and how it powered starships through the collection of the clouds. You know, I I went back and was studying um about deuterium and it went back to heavy water still throughout all the wikis on the internet it still only talks about coming out of water out of being harvested out of the oceans or whatever and but but even now Hollywood before they went on strike is starting to 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 deal with the power of this element in the clouds and then I I watched um a, a little documentary about Oppenheimer and this new movie that's out about the development of the, of the bomb. And uh, one of the clips that they had was that they were discussing with Fermi and, and a couple of other scientists about whether they should begin to pursue a hydrogen bomb instead of going the quickest route with the bomb that, um, that they then developed to drop on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. And there they started to talk about deuterium again. And I thought, whew, I, you know, I don't remember so much discussion about deuterium over the years. I've studied history a lot, I've studied World War II a lot, uh, you know, but. Now as God is bringing these discoveries of the rainforest and people are understanding the explosiveness of this and we see the parallel to what you and I do as trees of righteousness in praying you know it's interesting that that we're seeing that science is discovering it and man oh man those that are depicting these things in the media are also talking about it I just think that's really strange So here's Samuel. He's got all these people, finally, to the point where they're going to worship. He's teaching them, and he brings them all together. He's going to offer a sacrifice. They're going to lift worship, and as soon as he does, there is what God said would happen when the people of God function as trees of righteousness, and that thundering just absolutely obliterates the enemy and for, for years and years and years, that enemy would not come up against Israel while Samuel was in charge because they were afraid of that explosive power. That's our heritage. We're going to need that in the days to come. So what does this mean for you? Well, here is what I think the Lord is wanting us to say. First of all, we need to recognize this in so many ways is your identity. This, as a, an apostolic mission into the world, this is what the saints are called to do. We're to pattern the things that are in God's word as sons, and we're to be faithful in them, not try to trick it up. You know, see, that, that's, an, that's another thing. You know, there were so many regulations when you begin to move in the things of the Spirit that if anybody got out of line oh I don't want to get out of line I don't want to be the flesh well it was very obvious if they were doing things that were on the demonic side so don't let the enemy bring fear to you and that's what the, the general church told don't do that that's too much new agey I don't know what they call it now but boy we we were plastered with all kinds of monikers but you know the point is is that you either move in the power of God and function in faith with him or you just shut it all off and become like the world and say, oh, what's a seer? Oh, what's a raw? who that sounds spooky to me. We don't want to do that. No, no wonder their donkeys are loose all over the hillside. They don't know how to find God. It's just true. That's here. It's in the Word, even in the King James. And you know, the, the thing is, though, that we need to recognize that the mission, one of the missions God has given us is to Go into all the world and make disciples. Teach this gospel of the kingdom, and then the end comes. We have a narrow window of time now. I don't know how long it'll be, but we must do this, and we are doing it, and we will do it. But bring it down to a personal level. Are you functioning in this way? And again, it goes back to what was taught in Sunday school today. Um, are are you? Have, do you remember that you need to be before the Lord daily? You know, I, I feel like that old commercial, which some of you don't remember, maybe some of you never heard, how long has it been since you had a can of Wolf Brand Chili? How long has it been since you've spent time before the Lord? I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. How long has it been since you spent more than, 30 seconds praying in diversities of tongues. And if you've done it, how many days of an interlude happened between those times? We're not legalistic here. What I'm talking about is you. Your function before the Lord. Who He created you to be. You better not abandon that. You have to be this. You know you're this. So what's keeping you from it? Oh, you don't know my schedule. You don't know my family. I don't know, and I don't want to know. Because every one of you has to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And we, if we're teaching this, and we are, we're responsible for this, and we are, we have to have in our own life the vitality of what we know God has made us to be. It's just true. Because how can we teach that to others, even if we know it, if we're not living it? And, you know, and, and see, here's, here's one of the challenges that we've had as a Saints Network. Tell me if you've heard this before. People would come here for seminars and they'd think, Oh, I walked in. The presence of the Lord was so strong. Oh, I could barely move. Just wonderful. Well, at the same time, two weeks before, I, as the pastor who hears many things, were hearing my own people say, it's oh, just not the same. I just don't feel his presence. Oh, there's just not. And I'm thinking, okay, now somebody is tuned into the wrong station here because you know, either these people are nuts when they come in here, or you ain't doing something right. What is it? We all have to process how to function individually. How did Samuel, even ever as a little boy, hear from God in the middle of the night when the high priest was not really, hes a good man, I'm sure, not functioning, and his son's god knows where they were at that time how in the world did this little boy all alone hear from god there wasn't any big grand bah there oh honey it's okay you just go ahead and find him no he had to find god and he did find god eli's words were true the next time you hear that you say here here i am lord speak what what would you say are we doing that individually Or do we need to have a big hoopla time where everybody comes and feels something again? You know, the point is, is that what I have learned, and this was a challenge for me when I started going out in ministry, that there in a a sparse hotel room, sometimes in somebody's attic, (laughs) laying on a wooden floor, um, I had to find God there. And it's not about me; it's all of you. I didn't have a brass band playing. I didn't have fifteen intercessors behind me going. Yeah, I didn't have any of that. And in an hour, I had to go and speak to hundreds of people and talk about the things of God. How did I do? Oh, but you're pastor. (laughs) I'm Ronnie. I'm Samuel. Who are you? I know the great giftings that God has given to you all. I know the capacities he's given. I've seen the spirit moving through you. I've seen what goes on in the spirit realm when many of you are laying on your face. I've seen the impact you have in the kingdom, whether you in the natural recognize it or not. And how many times do you need to be told that? Boy, I'm meddling now, aren't I? Tammy, you better get over the organ and start playing this. These are hard words. We need some soothing music in this Bible bus as we go along through this valley of the shadows. You know, I'm not trying to be mean. What I'm trying to say is all of us have a responsibility to function in the way God has created us as individuals to be and I want to tell you the end result of this was even after Samuel did everything he did even after Samuel was so faithful to God and God showed his presence the people still came and said we want a king to reign over us you know Um, which to Samuel said The whole thing we've been trying to do is to reestablish you in your tribal understandings of being the people of God to where you don't have to have like all the other nations. And Samuel was so heartbroken over this, and he went before the Lord, and what did God say to him? They've not rejected you. They've rejected me. What a statement from God. And what was he referring to? Well, this very thing that we've been talking about that rejection of God is something that we that I I won't say we let's I'll stop stepping on your toes get the other shoe off though I may start again there's something that I have to deal with every day even you pastor yeah especially me you know these past times of being in the center of the whirlwind these past days there was a day last week where I felt like I was living in hell. I'm not talking about Texas heat either. I'm talking that some of those will will do it to you, believe me. But it was so awful that the, the the enemy was so vile in in the influence, trying to. I won't I won't go through all the details, but it was about our mission and it was about what i was willing to do for the future and and it was it was horrific and and i just was miserable and it went on for a couple of days and you know what well what did you do pastor did you call a prayer chain did you have somebody come up lay hands on you and all those things well that's you know at some point i'm not discounting that but at some point you got to meet the giant in the valley. And you've got to put to the test what you believe. And, and I know that if, if I crater to that kind of thing, then what does that mean for the rest of the structure that God's built here? What have you been facing? You are more than enough to defeat any, any opposition as long as you're walking with God and what he has created you to be, you to be, not you and 50 of your friends, you to be. You and God in his presence are more than enough. Greater is he that is in you, in you, singular, than he that is in the world. God is with you, but you've got to function. It's so easy to just drift into inactivity, to become like the world. You know, everything that Samuel went through, and I'm not making him into a Christ-like figure, but he was all alone. He was a little boy. You know, every factor that we use as a complaint, he was surrounded by people who had no interest in in being what he would eventually be. All the excuses we throw out there, God's heard them before. Samuel had to overcome these things because he was, he was responsible to present this before the people. So there wasn't anything new that Samuel was going to face. In fact, the two things that really doomed Saul in well, actually three things, and these were all in conjunction with Samuel. Saul should have continued to function prophetically as Saul among the prophets. He had the ability to, to, um, to hear from God, to respond to God, to, to lay naked for a day before the Lord and, and just speak the good things of the Lord. The problem was is that he didn't know how to do it on his own. In fact, one time he said, you know, bring me a minstrel. And David comes in and plays. And, you know, that was wonderful. That's great. But Saul had the capacity to do this. Plus he had the, yeah, he's the king. It's good to be the king. He's the king. But he he just wouldn't do it. And so he didn't find his place spiritually that God gave him. And therefore, he could not really counsel David. Do you hear that? And and some of the aberrations that were there in the glowing picture of David, there were there. Saul could not mentor him because Saul wasn't functioning in it. Saul was afraid of the voice of the people. And, you know, when I read that uh, he's gathered together at Gilgal and the people are leaving, the people are leaving, man, that's a sign from God. You should expect when you begin to call that some of the Belial group is going to be the first bus out of there. And there's going to be others that go. You should look at that as a sign from God. The other thing was that he got a little prideful. Kill everybody. Kill them all what then is this bleeding of the sheep? Remember that one? I think we're trying not to fail in any of these three. We certainly aren't in it for the money. (laughs) That, That should not be a problem. And secondly, I think we've pretty much withstood people leaving, haven't we? You're here. You should know. Um, the, the other point though is is that we've got to be sure that we're functioning because if we're not functioning we're not going to be able to really represent the deep things of the Lord and we're in good position I'm not saying that any of you are failing what I'm saying is that these are biblical principles and so we have to ask ourselves do we recognize that God is laying before us the mission of these schools for the world? Yes. Has God filled our table with deep things and principles from his word that we can give to these people that do some splaining of what they're experiencing? Yes. Has God blessed us with the tasting of the powers of the world to come? Yes he has has God laid before us a pathway of uh, open doors yes all of those things are in place but what we need to ask ourselves from right here to each of you how is my time with you father individually I I think that it would be a good thing for us to say every week okay at least one significant time frame at least one significant time frame each week I am going to meet with God and set that up and no matter what happens you honor that and what do you do then listen to 50 sermons from around the internet play the latest Christian tunes nothing against music But you better commune with God. Oh, but I don't hear anything. I don't sense anything. Two minutes go by. Oh, there's nothing going on. I guess I missed it. You should know better than that by now. Do you know how many times? You know, the other day I was praying. Two days in here. One day I came in. The presence of the Lord was so strong. I just laid down and I I lost two hours. It was wonderful. Just God is so good and then I filled that with thanking him for the open river of life that's flowing in his presence and you know how do you bless the Lord how do you minister to the Lord well it a lot of it is just appreciating him and what he's doing that he promised it and there he is but mostly how wonderful he is you you can all do that it's just like you know it's just like loving him and expressing how wonderful he is two days later i came in here and i felt like this was a sepulcher in the natural i mean i just come out of i don't know how many things that that we were facing and and i had an afternoon where i had to do two zooms and, and honestly as much as i love the people I thought, God, I wish I could just call somebody and have them do this. Do you ever think that, Pastor? I can't believe you. Yeah, you do about eight or nine of them a week. You might think that, especially when you're up there in the 120-degree booth. I'm not complaining. But I came in here, and I thought, I've got to meet with the Lord. And Ronnie didn't want to do it. So I went ahead and laid down anyway. This is probably TMI. And I, I was just praying. And do you know how many times in that first five minutes I thought, you know what? This isn't working. I love you, Lord. You know, you say all those superlatives as you're, you're going to, yeah, thank you, Lord. I love you. And oh, it's, it's, what a privilege it is to serve as you're getting ready to leave. And I, I got up and started to go, and I thought, no, I'm not going to do this. And I, I just knelt down here. It wasn't really a barack, but I just knelt down right here, and I began to say, Lord, this is your work. I love you. I don't know what it is that I'm feeling. I don't know why I'm sensing this right now. I, I can't discern whether this is you hiding your face or whether this is some kind of a thing that I have to walk through you know, sometimes if you don't know what's going on, it might be helpful for you just to talk to the Lord about it, not bellyache, not pour out all your complaints, but just try to process things that you know from the scripture. I don't really understand what this is. I don't know what I'm feeling. I don't know whether it's this. I don't whether it's that. And, And I just spoke spoke them as an appeal to god so that i could understand what it was that i was really facing do you know god wants to teach you in those times do we ever ask him or do we just face a wall and think oh that's it i'm going or i don't know why it is in this church they just don't have this anymore they don't have this why are you where you are right now Do you need that now? Do you need to go back down into the nursery and have Imani take care of you? Or or do you need to stand up as a mighty person in God and commune with your father who loves you and let him guide you? Now, I wish I could say I learned a lot during that exchange. And honestly, I thought it was just a few minutes. It felt like forever. It ended up being an hour and a half, and I thought, good grief. And I craned to look up there at Scott's clock, and I said, i, I got to go. And this time, I really had to go to, to get ready to go up in the booth. These moments in the Lord are instructing times. You know, you, we've said this. You'll learn more about God in the valley. Hear me than you ever will on the mountaintop you can get all kinds of platitudes and goosebumps and feeling oh they said this to me they prophesied this it's wonderful but where you really learn it is in the doing because you do and you teach that's it and in those moments do you know we're walking places we've never walked before Do you know in the time frame of the Lord, God is putting you into positions that have not been because it's not been God's timing for them. Things are coming to a fruition now. And in Jesus, it said this. Do you know how many prophets would have longed to have lived in the time you're living in? wonder what he's saying now. That was 2,000 years ago. God is with you. You're not a bumpkin to just drifted in here. You have paid the price to be here. God has seen your heart. You have been faithful. Know that he loves you. And commune with him. You face some difficult time. Like the Apostle Paul said, I have learned to glory in these points of infirmity. Because when I'm weak, he's made strong. Was that a point of infirmity? Well, let's see. What does asthenia mean? I was there. I sure wasn't functioning. My body was there. My pneumatocos mind was there. All of our learning was there in this beautiful place, the river of God, all these things. But I wasn't functioning. I need to glory in the Lord in that so that he will lead and teach Oh, but that's you, Pastor. So you're saying God doesn't need you now. Is that what you're telling me? That as long as I'm up here, that's all that matters. Or a select few of heightened ministers. God doesn't need you. That's that's not good. (laughs) Every one of you It's precious to the Lord. And you you have a role to play that is that is invaluable. It's it's precious to God. It's precious to me. But you need to meet him daily. You need you need to speak in tongues. You need to pray to build up your most holy faith. You need to be strengthened through letting His Spirit within you to breathe, to generate that passion, to, to generate that understanding, to, to, to really express what God is wanting you to speak forward to Him about His mysteries so that you gain understanding If you're not praying in the Spirit, you've cut off your supply line. You just really are, if you're not praying. So this has been a combination of meat and study of the Scripture, a lot of meddling, some preaching. Uh, But the point is, is that this is where we are, and it's a good place. It's a wonderful place in the Lord. We just need to know that as we go forth in fulfilling some of the principles that Samuel was responsible for, we're in the days of the judges. We're in a place where people don't know the difference between a seer and a, and a prof- prophetic expression before the Lord. And thankfully, Yeah, I think it's really interesting, and I'll say this and then I'm done, okay? Um, God told me a long time ago that he would make the appointments. And a lot of the places that, not for any prideful point, just places that I thought God would lead us, he's not led us to. But every place that he opens, the people say the same thing. We want what you have been given. We want the word. We want to understand. You know, one, one of, I met with one of the pastors of a seminar that he's just basically invited us to, to be the, the chief ministers in. This place where all the young people are. He said, we need to be taught how to move in the things of the spirit. We need to understand what happens in the word when the spirit is moving that that just rattled me because i thought that's what god has prepared you for this is his door and there are places like that all over the world that god is opening so but those doors are opening and i i'm i'm grateful to be walking this way with you but i i put forward to you make sure you're spending time with the lord individually every day and make sure that you put aside some time at least once a week where you say i'm going to really go hard after god that's so important and um <laughs> we want to do what's right in his eyes, remembering who he's called us to be, and we just need to rejoice that this is the mission of welcoming the kingdom. If you look if you look at biblical commentaries, they'll say that samuel ushered in the kingdom of israel that's what they'll say he did he anointed the kings that's what they'll say he did we are called to welcome the kingdom here but was it the anointing of kings that made samuel so special Or was it the establishment of these base places and significant histemi locations in the land where people could be trained how to minister to the Lord and how to feel his presence? Was that what welcomed in the kingdom? Well, you know the answer to that. And that's what you're called to do. It's a good thing. It's a wonderful thing. I still love Isaiah but I think we we're more like Samuel you are and I'm trying to be because of the principle that he was responsible to bring forth and um, that's you Saints Network and that's definitely you Father's Church Father I ask your blessing upon your people today and um Lord, I know here in this congregation that there are people who have very deep needs right now physically. I declare over your life the visitation of the Spirit of God in power and love and a sound mind, healing in your bodies, uh, measures of provision that are uh, amazing financially, favor, every need being met, but the most important thing is I ask that God would open a window into the heavens in your personal place of prayer, in your closet of prayer, and that he would blow his breath upon the embers of his fire within you, and that you would know him in a way that is beyond anything that you've walked with him in the past, but, but it will be deeper than, than it has been because of what is required of you in these days. Lord, stir us. I bless you, and I bless our Saints Network family today. Help us to be your representatives. We love you. We thank you for this great privilege, and we ask all of this, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you, everybody. God bless you all. Uh, It's always good to be here and um, love one another before you go, and God bless all of you. Thanks for joining us today.